This is the Humanist Report with Mike Figueredo. Sponsored by Amazon, Audible, HostGator, Gamefly, and supporters of independent media like you. Welcome to the Humanist Report. My name is Mike Figueredo, and this is the 51st episode of the podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by all of my viewers who help make this show possible. Today, we have Rebecca Pearson, who is a new member on HumanistReport.com. We also have Patreon user Figment of Your Imagination, who is a new patron on Patreon. So I want to thank both of you for signing up to support the show. The fact that you guys watch is more than I could ever ask for, but for those of you that really go the extra step and choose to donate, I can't thank you enough. And furthermore, if you've been donating through YouTube, as far as I know, Google Analytics doesn't really let me see the names. So please send me an email at mike at humanistreport.com and I could thank you at the beginning of this show because right now it's kind of all anonymous and I can't tell who donated. Uh, so please let me know so that way I can thank you on the podcast. So on today's episode, you know, kind of a mixed bag. Last week was the most depressing, sad, gloomy episode ever. This week, it's, I feel like it's a little bit better. So first, Bernie Sanders has officially endorsed Hillary Clinton. So I will talk about those implications and how Hillary Clinton supporters are now attempting to bully Bernie Sanders supporters into supporting her. I'll also talk about why so many liberals, particularly millennials, are voting for Jill Stein instead of Hillary Clinton. And also, after Bernie Sanders made his endorsement of Hillary Clinton, support for Jill Stein has exploded. And Donald Trump made his VP pick, and it's a disaster. And now getting into the 2016 election a little bit more, I'll talk about poll numbers, and I'll also discuss how Donald Trump is now trying to block the release of his testimony in the Trump University fraud case. And also, Loretta Lynch, the Attorney General of the United States, is stonewalling for Hillary Clinton, uh, and she did this during her testimony before the House Judiciary Committee. And finally, I will spend some time poking fun at the ridiculous 2016 GOP party platform, because it is just absurdly stupid. So all of these topics will be discussed. Hopefully you guys can enjoy this episode a bit more than the last one. Let's go ahead and jump right in. So by now, we all know that Bernie Sanders made his official endorsement of Hillary Clinton. Uh, and although, you know, it's still disappointing, it's not necessarily surprising. Many of us had thought that he would actually wait until after the convention to endorse her. But there are a lot of indications that he gave to us that he would be, in fact, endorsing her earlier. Secretary Clinton has won the Democratic nominating process. And I congratulate her for that. She will be the Democratic nominee for president. And I intend to do everything I can to make certain she will be the next president of the United States. I have come here to make it as clear as possible as to why I am endorsing Hillary Clinton and why she must become our next president. This campaign is not really about Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump or Bernie Sanders or any other candidate who sought the presidency. This campaign is about the needs of the American people and addressing and addressing the very serious crises that we face. And there is no doubt in my mind that as we head into November, Hillary Clinton is far and away the best candidate to do that. Now look, expectedly Bernie Sanders supporters are torn. I mean, I think 100% of us are disappointed, but there's some of us who think that he's a sellout now. There's others that don't think he's a sellout. I'm in the camp that uh, I don't think he's a sellout. And I alluded to this in a previous video that I did because Bernie Sanders, he didn't do what Elizabeth Warren did. He actually ran against Hillary Clinton when Elizabeth Warren, we all expected her to run and wanted her to run, but she was too afraid to challenge Hillary Clinton. And during the primary, she completely ignored Bernie Sanders. She treated him as though he had the plague and didn't go anywhere near him. But the first opportunity that she had to endorse Hillary Clinton, she did that. Why? 
Well, because she probably wants to secure her spot as Hillary Clinton's VP. So we feel as though Elizabeth Warren sold out for her own personal gain, which is what we hate about Washington politics. Now, with Bernie Sanders, I don't feel as though he sold out. He didn't. And this is because Bernie Sanders, one, he ran against Hillary Clinton. He challenged her. And two, you have to understand the amount of pressure the establishment put on him to drop out since March 15th after the first Super Tuesday when he got hammered in that race. You know, he lost many states and the establishment, the media were basically calling on him to drop out and he stayed in the race. So, I mean, at 74 years old, we have to look at what Bernie Sanders accomplished. He galvanized a portion of the electorate that we didn't know even existed. And now we had this huge movement that he's now passing the torch to us to carry on. You know, and he's also not just giving up, he's creating organizations to continue the movement. And he did all this, he fought, he was a warrior, and he really shed some light on the entirety of our democratic process and how it's just so corrupt. And he put the Democrats on full blast and showed that they really don't want to represent us. So this whole election has been enlightening, and we wouldn't know about the Democratic Party's betrayal of the American people to this extent if it weren't for Bernie Sanders. So I don't feel as though he's a sellout. In fact, I'm really thankful that he ran. He gave me hope that there were some politicians that wouldn't take money from large corporations, from the big banks. Many people make the comparison that if you don't take large donations from corporations and billionaires, you're showing up to a gunfight with a knife. And Bernie Sanders proved that that's bullshit. He nearly won it all in spite of the fact that the entire process was just rigged against him from the beginning. I mean, it started out with the lousy debate schedule that Debbie Wasserman Schultz championed. Uh, and many people just talk about the fact that they only scheduled six debates. I think that the exclusivity clause is a lot more egregious because I was one of the few people to talk about this when I first started out with my podcast and not many others knew about it. But the exclusivity clause literally banned candidates from participating in debates not sanctioned by the DNC. So typically the DNC doesn't really have more than 10 debates on average but they actually banned candidates from doing any extra debates. They just said, you know what, not only are we not gonna have many debates, but we're gonna ban you from participating in debates to help Hillary Clinton. They also demonized Bernie Sanders and they banned his access to Van. Uh, there was mass election fraud in key states. I mean, we had voters purged from the rolls, we had uh, voting machines and the number of them available to the public cut, and Hillary Clinton and the DNC were silent on this because it helped Hillary Clinton. So. We really feel as though Bernie Sanders was cheated, but in spite of this, he nearly won. In spite of the disadvantage he had, the lack of name recognition, he nearly won it all. So Bernie Sanders, you shouldn't view him as a sellout. You should view him as an inspiration because what he did at 74 years of age is honestly remarkable. Now, with that being said, I think that many Bernie Sanders supporters are rightfully disappointed because this endorsement was unnecessary. Uh, endorsing her isn't going to make a difference. We're still not going to vote for Hillary Clinton. Some will, but many won't. And I don't think that a vote for or against Hillary Clinton is going to be contingent on Bernie Sanders' endorsement. So I think that there's a proportion of his supporters that he disenchanted by making this endorsement. So I do feel as though it was unnecessary. But with that being said, I don't think Bernie Sanders is a sellout. I mean, he remained in the race until he got concessions from the Democratic Party. He got Hillary Clinton to adopt his college-free tuition plan. He got her to support a public option. He got the Democratic platform to include uh, a $15 minimum wage. He got them to support a road to marijuana legalization. Now, does that mean they're actually going to fight for this? Does that mean Hillary Clinton is actually going to fight for this? No, but he did what he thought he had to do, and that is remain in the race long enough so that way he could have some leverage over them to actually push the Democrats to the left, and he did that. He did what he said he would do, and he fought for us, so I don't feel as though you know, he's a traitor or a sellout or that he even gave up. I think he put up a hell of a fight. And I honestly am thankful to Bernie Sanders for doing what he did. I really am. And when Bernie Sanders said he would endorse the Democratic nominee at the beginning of the race, I truly believed him and I don't hold that against him at all. But I am disappointed. I'm angry that the process was just so unfair. I think that if you were to go back in time and hold the election all over again, but under fair conditions, Bernie Sanders probably would have won if it wasn't rigged against him, if, you know, they had equal name recognition. So it's just so frustrating because many Bernie Sanders supporters, they're not willing to acquiesce and fall in line and support Clinton because they rightfully feel as though they were cheated. And I completely understand that. I feel like we were cheated. I feel like Bernie Sanders was cheated. I felt like the entire establishment and corporate media 
treated him so unfairly, Hillary Clinton drug his name through the mud, her surrogates, David Brock, anyone in Congress, Claire McCaskill, they were so rude to him. They gave him the middle finger. They shit all over him. And it just hurts. You know, it hurts that now Bernie Sanders had to fall in line and support Hillary Clinton. But I don't believe this is the end of his revolution. I do believe that he's going to challenge her in Congress if she, if she does go back on her word. I do believe that he's going to continue to fight for progressive ideals. But in the end, you know, here's the thing. You can be angry. You can be disappointed. You're human. I mean, we lost. It sucks. I wanted Bernie Sanders to be the next president. So I'm terribly disappointed. And trust me, I was very, very sad the entire day when it actually happened because even though I was trying to prepare myself for it uh you know psychologically speaking you can never fully prepare yourself for it it really just feels like you know we're all mourning the death of his campaign and that's really tough it's a hard pill to swallow to know that you lost and that someone who you valued and who inspired you isn't going to be the next president of the United States so we can be disappointed that's human you don't have to feel bad about that. You don't have to fall in line. You don't have to let Hillary Clinton supporters or Hillary Clinton herself or her surrogates or the corporate media guilt you and scare you into supporting Hillary Clinton. You can do what you want to do. Uh, and I'm not going to encourage you to do anything. <laughs> I think that I've empowered you with the information for you to make your own decision. Uh, and we all have to agree that regardless of the outcome of this election, the progressive revolution continues. We still fight for progressive ideas. So now that the primaries are effectively over, there's been a phenomenon that's been increasingly prevalent lately, and that is Hillary Clinton supporters trying to bully Bernie Sanders supporters into supporting Hillary Clinton. Now, I don't know if these people are paid trolls or not for correct the record. I have no idea. But regardless, it's been increasingly problematic lately. Now, I've personally been the subject of rage from Hillary Clinton supporters, and many of my viewers and followers on Twitter and Facebook have told me the same exact thing, that many people are now trying to bully them into falling in line by either repeatedly tweeting them, you know, insulting things or calling them names. So here's what Hillary Clinton supporters need to understand. Hillary Clinton may have won, but that doesn't mean that you have permission to bully us into supporting your corrupt corporatist candidate. And you're not making matters any better when you call for party unity in one breath, but then insult our intelligence in another and try to fearmonger to us about Donald Trump. So will Bernie Sanders supporters back Hillary Clinton? Many of them will, yes, but a sizable portion of them will not. And we tried to warn you about this during the primaries. We said we will not support Hillary Clinton if she is the nominee and you didn't believe us. You thought that we would fall in line like Hillary Clinton supporters in 2008. But if you actually go back and look at the videos of Hillary Clinton supporters and their arguments, against Barack Obama, there was no substance whatsoever. They were saying that Barack Obama was a Muslim and that he went to Muslim schools in Indonesia. It was completely incoherent. Christy Atkins, I'm Clinton Swore McCain. I'm an independent. And while some people may have an open mind and they feel comfortable voting for a man who went to a Madras Muslim school when he was younger, the Clinton's for McCain feel like we were... Wait a minute, wait a minute. What evidence... No, just, before you, uh, just before you put out that information, what evidence do you have that he went to a Muslim school? I have a 17-page report written by a... written by for us, we have substantive reasons to not support Hillary Clinton, because if we do, we're giving the Democratic Party permission to not just put forth a conservative, corporatist, corrupt candidate, but to then try to rig it for that candidate and then expect us to still fall in line. I don't think so. It doesn't work that way. I'm not going to sit here and allow you to abuse me and then come back to you. I don't have Stockholm Syndrome. Many Bernie Sanders supporters don't. So you're delusional if you think that we're all of a sudden going to fall in line. And now just to share the level of condescension that we've had to deal with throughout the entirety of the primary process, look at this article. It sums it up right here. Dear Bernie fans, a vote for him is a vote for Donald Trump. Now, we rightfully pointed out that this is an anti-establishment election and that many of us will not fall in line. And furthermore, we were validated when we stated that Bernie Sanders will perform better against Donald Trump than Hillary Clinton. All the polls show that he performed significantly better than uh, Hillary Clinton against Donald Trump. Uh, but now you're trying to say a vote for Jill Stein is a vote for Donald Trump? No. Let me get this straight. You guys have the audacity to tell us that a vote for Jill Stein or Gary Johnson is a vote for Donald Trump. No, no, no. Your vote for Hillary Clinton was a vote for Donald Trump because we warned you about this. And furthermore, you guys don't get to use that line. We voted for the candidate that polled better against Donald Trump. 
You voted for the historically disliked candidate. You voted against the candidate that actually captivated young people. You voted for the candidate that Republicans will try to impeach on day one. So congratulations. But you don't get to say that to us. We warned you that we wouldn't support Hillary Clinton, and now you're shocked that we still won't even after Bernie Sanders endorsed her. So here's the deal. If you don't like that many Bernie Sanders supporters won't be supporting your corrupt, historically disliked, historically dishonest presidential candidate, well, too bad. Next time, maybe the Democratic Party shouldn't put up a conservative, corrupt candidate and then try to rig it for her and expect us to fall in line. Don't do that next time. And if you don't like what I'm saying, now you know how we feel when you tell us to fall in line. We're telling you to fall in line. We're telling you, you can't do this to us. We're not masochists. We don't support the fact that you will try to use and abuse us and then expect us to fall in line and support you. Do you think that you're going to be friends with someone after they punch you in the face? I don't think so. We all feel like we were punched in the face. We all feel like we were cheated out of Bernie Sanders. If you could redo the election under fair conditions where name recognition was equal, where there wasn't uh, media that was lying about superdelegates, where there wasn't this rigged debate schedule, where Debbie do anything for Hillary Wasserman Schultz didn't try to ban his access to Van where there wasn't mass election fraud. If you could redo all of this, many believe that Bernie Sanders correctly would have probably won. He almost won in spite of the unfair conditions that were the Democratic primaries. So to actually conduct the election under fair conditions, I think he probably could have won. Now, he didn't win, okay? We get that. We accept that he didn't win, but that doesn't mean anything. Congratulations, your candidate won. If you expect us to fall in line and vote for her, that's another story. Many of us will, many of us won't. That's not on us, that's on you. See, maybe, just maybe, if... Hillary Clinton and her supporters in the DNC and Debbie do anything for Hillary Wasserman Schultz actually spoke out against the election fraud, actually spoke out against the unfair conditions in this presidential election. Maybe if we didn't feel cheated, I would maybe fall in line and vote for Hillary Clinton, even though I disagree with her politically. Probably not, but maybe. But that's not the case. So if you expect us to fall in line and if you expect your bullying tactics to actually work on us it's not see we've been bullied by the establishment uh by the democrats by hillary clinton for far too long okay we've been condescended to and talked down to for far too long so the time for us to fall in line the time for party unity has come and gone you guys helped destroy any party unity that could have potentially been there so i'm sorry the democratic party is split in two uh, I'm not going to fall in line. I will support Jill Stein this election cycle. If you don't like it, I don't know what to tell you. Don't vote for Hillary Clinton next time. Next time there's a progressive candidate that young people love, maybe support that person. Predictably, support for Green Party presidential candidate Jill Stein has exploded since Bernie Sanders officially endorsed Hillary Clinton, thus ending his campaign effectively. U.S. Uncut explains that the Green Party has received over 80,000 contributions, over half of which comes from first-time donors and half of which comes in the form of contributions under $50. Tellingly, about 615 of those contributions totaled $27, the exact number commonly trumpeted and solicited by the Sanders campaign during his revolutionary grassroots funding movement. There's been an explosion of burners coming in through every portal of the campaign, and it's really exciting, Stein told US Uncut in a phone interview. There is so much courage out there to stand up to the marching orders handed down by the usual suspects. Okay, I absolutely love the message that this sends because that $27 uh, donation, that's emblematic of Bernie Sanders' whole campaign. I mean, that's what he represents. So by sending in $27 to the Green Party and having 615 people do that, that's really remarkable. And look, this is exciting to me as someone who really wants to build a third and fourth party. I think that four parties is probably the sweet spot in uh, the American system because then you have the two centrist parties. Uh, and then you have someone on the far left and someone on the far right. Right now, the Republicans would be the far right party. The Libertarians would kind of take their place as the center right party. Uh, Democrats would have to move to the center left again. Right now, they're currently center and center right. But the Green Party, having them actually be nationally viable, would force Democrats to actually move back towards the left because otherwise they would lose voters to them. Now, here's what I also love. Many people 
are curious, who the hell is Jill Stein? Stein's social media accounts have also seen tremendous growth and engagement in the past 24 hours. A recent live stream posted on the Stein campaign's Facebook page has been viewed over 300,000 times in less than a day. Her page itself has added approximately 44,000 new likes in the past week. Her Twitter account has over 145,000 followers as of this writing, increasing by the tens of thousands just this week, with 5.6 million impressions on July 12th to 13th alone, there have also been 10,000 new signups for her email list since yesterday. And according to web traffic ranking site Alexa, Jill2016.com has been climbing steadily in popularity since January, with rapid monthly growth since March. The search term Jill Stein has also seen a hockey stick increase on Google Trends since the endorsement. Many people in the Democratic establishment, uh, Hillary Clinton's campaign, they all thought that everything would be okay, there'd be party unity once Bernie Sanders just endorsed Hillary Clinton and then his support like sheep would follow. That's not going to happen. We told you. I mean, are there going to be many Bernie Sanders supporters that do vote for Hillary Clinton? Yeah, there will be. But when you look at millennials, nearly half of them will not be voting for Hillary Clinton and will be supporting Dr. Jill Stein. We told you, we warned you about this. There was not going to be party unity if Hillary Clinton was the Democratic nominee. Now, it's still early. More people may fall in line. More people may choose to opt for Hillary Clinton after all. But again, a sizable portion of us will not be switching over. So I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. You knew this was going to happen because we warned you about it, but you were naive. You thought that we would be sheep and do whatever Bernie Sanders told us to do. But I told you that my vote will not be contingent on Bernie Sanders' endorsement. I love Bernie Sanders. I think he's very inspirational, but I'm my own boss at the end of the day. And the fact that he endorsed Hillary Clinton has no bearing on my vote whatsoever. So we told the establishment that we don't like Hillary Clinton, and not only did they try to push her forward, they tried to rig it for her. They, you know, There was cheating. When you rig the debate schedule, that's just cheating. When you mislead voters about superdelegates, that's not fair. We don't see this as a fair election. We feel as though we were cheated, and rightfully so. So we told you this was going to happen, and now, what's that sound? Do you hear that? That's the sound of the DNC collectively shitting their pants because they did not expect that support for Jill Stein would explode by nearly 1,000%. 1,000%. A third-party presidential candidate. Nobody would have thought this would ever have been possible, but when you put forward a historically disliked liberal candidate, what do you think is going to happen? When you try to make the process unfair and don't give a shit about the fraud uh, and the vote purging, and whatnot. What do you think's gonna happen? Now, here's the thing. If you're serious about helping Jill Stein, she is only on the ballot in 23 states. So if you want to help expand her ballot access, you can sign up to volunteer at jill2016.com. Furthermore, we have to petition the Commission on Presidential Debates to actually include her and Gary Johnson in the debate. I know that you may disagree with Gary Johnson. I disagree with him on quite a bit, but I think it's only fair that he is included in the debates. If you only have Jill Stein and you split the votes between the liberals, then that gives Donald Trump the plurality. So you really want someone on the opposite side of the spectrum to siphon off votes from Donald Trump as well if you are serious about voting for a third-party candidate. So if you truly believe in this, then go for it. You have to do what you want to do. You can't let the fear-mongering over Trump deter you. If you truly believe in Jill Stein, then do it, then go for it, you know? If you don't, then vote for Hillary Clinton. But either way, I think that the potential emergence of a third and potentially fourth party candidate, uh, or third and fourth parties, just generally speaking, this is what we need. A new poll shows that nearly 50% of millennial supporters of Bernie Sanders will not be voting for Hillary Clinton and support for Jill Stein has exploded since Bernie Sanders made his official endorsement of Hillary Clinton. And the response by the establishment, by Hillary Clinton supporters, is just shock. They didn't think that we would actually not support Hillary Clinton. They didn't foresee that we wouldn't actually fall in line. So because of this, I want to take the time to explain to the establishment, to anyone who's curious, why we're not going to be supporting Hillary Clinton and why we're voting for Jill Stein. Now, 
I don't speak for everyone, but this is just me, and I think that the points that I'll make will resonate with a lot of people. So with that being said, uh, I will talk about why I support Jill Stein in light of three common criticisms that I see. So one is that they contend Jill Stein will never win, so why vote for her? Uh, second of all, uh, many argue that a vote for Jill Stein equals a vote for Trump. And finally, they say that third parties lead to Republican presidencies. That's kind of related to that last point, but I'll address that separately as well. Now, as for the first criticism, they contend that Jill Stein will never win. She has a 0% chance of winning, uh, and they think that we're naive enough to not actually see the writing on the wall. Look, as someone who's actually studied electoral engineering, I'm the first one to admit that our majoritarian electoral system is completely unfair. It makes it very, very difficult for third-party candidates to ever win. So, I get that. It's called Duverger's Law. When you live in a majoritarian, winner-take-all, first-past-the-post system, whatever you want to call it, when you live in a system where the winner will win it all and the loser gets nothing, no representation, well then, you most likely will have two parties. If you live in a proportional representation system, then you're probably going to have more than two parties, but there are other variables such as the electoral formula, that is, how you determine, you know, the seats that will be attributed to people based on their percentage. There's also the electoral threshold, which is the percentage that you need to win to secure any seats in the legislature. There is, you know, social cleavages that also determine the number of political parties in a country. So there's a lot that goes into it. So by voting for Jill Stein or Gary Johnson, many of us don't actually expect a political upset by a third-party candidate. It's not impossible, but it's highly improbable. But in spite of that fact, here's why I'm still going to vote for Jill Stein. One is that I just legitimately agree with her more than any other candidate in the race. And second of all, I'm hoping that my vote for the Green Party uh, will help them obtain a high enough percentage so that way they can actually secure federal funding and build a real national party. I want the Green Party to make a real commitment to electoral reform. But with that being said, you know, they've got to put in the work. They've got to run uh, candidates at the local level, at the state level. They've really got to make an effort to convince us that they will fight for electoral reform because that would make them a lot more appealing. Now, finally, the reason why I'm voting for Jill Stein is because my vote for her counts as a protest vote. My vote communicates to the Democratic Party that I do not give them permission to use and abuse me. They don't get to put forth a conservative candidate in what's supposed to be a liberal party and then try to rig it in her favor and then still expect me to vote for her. So I'm telling the party that they don't get my vote every election no matter what. I don't care how scary the Republican candidate is. Yes, you can even put forth a maniac like Donald Trump and you still have to earn my vote. It's not just a given every election cycle. Now also, the more votes that the Green Party gets, the more that the Democratic Party will have to wake up and realize that this party, who is a third party, even if they can't win, they're still taking votes from you and they're going to force the Democratic Party to move back to the left because right now, as the Republican Party moves further to the right, the Democratic Party is now moving further to the right to make up ground. But the more votes that the Green Party receives, well, that's going to actually pull them back. The higher the vote count, the larger the vote percentage that Jill Stein receives, that's going to act like a force of gravity and pull them back to the left where they actually should be. Now, when it comes to the second argument that a vote for Jill Stein is akin to voting for Donald Trump, uh, that's patently false. In fact, a vote for Jill Stein is quite literally a vote for Jill Stein. <laughs> and uh, furthermore, here's what I dislike about this argument. This is the argument that we were making, so you don't get to make this. We were telling you during the primaries a vote for Hillary Clinton is a vote for Donald Trump because we're not going to vote for Hillary Clinton if she's the nominee. So this is your doing right here. So you don't get to tell us that a vote for Jill Stein is a vote for Donald Trump. That's bullshit. See, for me, I live in a deep blue state. So a vote for Donald Trump effectively isn't even a vote for Donald Trump because Hillary Clinton will get 100% of the electoral votes in my state of Oregon. So even if I did vote for Donald Trump, it really wouldn't make a difference in the grand scheme of things. So my strategy is to vote for Jill Stein in hopes that this will help the Green Party secure enough to get federal funding. Now, of course, there's nuance to it. In a swing state, if you really do hate Donald Trump and want to prevent him, him from winning, or if you hate Hillary Clinton and you want to prevent her from winning, then you may actually see it in your best interest to not vote third party and to vote for the person who you may not like the most, but who you think has the best chance at beating the person who you dislike 
the most. So it's just strategic here. I would probably reconsider my vote for a third party candidate if I did live in a swing state. I may actually vote for Hillary Clinton, even though the thought of that literally makes me nauseous. Uh, I would vote for her just to prevent Donald Trump from winning, because even though they're both very dangerous candidates, I think that she's maybe a little bit less dangerous. But at the same time, I don't know what I would do. And that's not a decision that I have to make. See, my job is not to guilt you into voting for the lesser of two evils if you live in a swing state. My job is to present the facts to you and be objective and allow you to make your own decision because you're an adult. You're smart. If you're watching this podcast, you probably are subscribed to the Young Turks, Secular Talk, David Pakman, Benjamin Dixon, Tim Black, Debbie Lasignan. So you probably are pretty politically savvy anyway. So why should I come out here and berate you about who you should vote for? Vote for Jill Stein, vote for Hillary Clinton, vote for Donald Trump. I don't give a shit. Okay, the thing that I'm doing is I'm telling you who I'm voting for. I'm being honest and upfront with you. And then I'm saying, you know, here are the facts about all of that. Make your own decision. Now, the final argument related to that last argument is that if you vote for a third party candidate, you're helping Republicans win the White House. Many people are afraid to vote third party because of this reason. But this year, you actually have a spoiler on both sides. So if votes are split equally, that possibility is less likely. And also, you can't blame anybody for not supporting the Democratic Party. You have to blame the Democratic Party themselves. Everyone points to the 2000 election as the go-to example since people voted for Nader and then we got a President Bush. People like to conveniently ignore the fact that thousands and thousands of Democrats actually flipped and voted for George Bush. And second, you have to blame Al Gore for running a shitty campaign and picking a horrible VP. He chose Joe Lieberman as his running mate. You can't blame voters for that. And finally, the Supreme Court is the one that decided that election. Al Gore won. When they did the recount in Florida, Al Gore won. So you could blame the Supreme Court. You can't blame third party candidates. You have to blame the Democratic Party for not inspiring enough people. Al Gore was not a great candidate. Let's be honest. Bill Clinton was not a good president. And his VP certainly didn't make a good candidate. So I'm sorry, but you have to blame the Democrats. If you blame voters for going to a third party candidate, it's like you're blaming the victim. I'm sorry, but they're anti-establishment because the establishment wasn't working out for them. That's not their fault. But still, that doesn't mean that many Bernie Sanders supporters won't actually support Hillary Clinton. And I don't judge them. I don't criticize them because if you do live in a swing state, then yeah, you may actually be afraid of Donald Trump and want to put your eggs in the basket that you think has the best chance of winning. And unfortunately, that's Hillary Clinton. I'm not going to judge you for that at all. I'm not going to judge anyone for making the decision that, you know, they're making. Although I will say, you know, there's a caveat to that. I don't support anyone voting for Donald Trump. I disagree with that 100%. I think there's no strategy to it. And I think that Donald Trump is the antithesis of what Bernie Sanders represented. So if you are a Bernie Sanders supporter, then I, I don't understand that. Now, here's the most important reason why we're supporting Jill Stein and not Hillary Clinton. Many of us feel as though if we fall in line and support Hillary Clinton after the election fraud, after the uh, bias that was prevalent in this election cycle, how the DNC tried to rig it, how the corporate media was very uh, misleading about superdelegates, we feel as though we're giving the Democratic Party a mandate to put forward, no matter what conservative candidate they want to offer, someone who is just going to fall in line and support their donors, uh, and we're giving them a mandate to do this, and we don't want to do this. We don't want to give the Democratic Party permission to put forth anyone. We want to actually tell them that we have control. We want to maintain leverage against the Democratic Party and say, if you run any further to the right, you lose us. So by voting for Jill Stein, we're drawing a line. That's that. And we're going to prove it to them that this is the case by voting for Jill Stein. So a vote for Jill Stein is a vote for her because we legitimately side with her on a majority of the issues. And it's also a strategic protest vote. We want to bring the Democratic Party back. Will they listen to us? I don't know. But... I'm still going to vote for Jill Stein. Now, again, I don't speak for everyone, but this is my reasoning, and I think that many people can probably agree with it. Now, with that being said, is Donald Trump a scary candidate? Absolutely. I'm not trying to downplay uh, how scary Donald Trump is, but the fact that Donald Trump is a maniac doesn't make Hillary Clinton any more appealing, and it doesn't negate from the fact that Hillary Clinton is also a dangerous candidate. I mean, her Syrian no-fly zone is an example. When asked about her Syrian no-fly zone during a debate and what she would do if Vladimir Putin violated that, she said, well, you know, I don't think it would come to that. Okay, so we have a candidate that could potentially spark World War III. 
in Hillary Clinton. We have a candidate in Donald Trump that potentially wants to use nuclear weapons against ISIS and bring back torture. I mean, both are dangerous. So the fact that Donald Trump is probably a little bit more dangerous than Hillary Clinton, it doesn't make her any more appealing. It doesn't make me want to support her. So you're more than welcome to disagree with my reasoning. Uh, and I encourage dialogue on this issue. But that's why I'm voting for Jill Stein. I'm not going to judge anyone if you choose not to vote for Jill Stein. If you choose to fall in line, I'm not going to judge anyone. Okay, that's my decision. If you choose to vote for Gary, uh, Gary Johnson, cool. We all have to come to our own decision. But what I'm going to do as a YouTube host is just continue to share the facts in a, in a manner that I think is objective and let you know and be upfront about the fact that I am supporting Jill Stein. So we have some new public polling data which includes bad news for both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, albeit in different ways. So according to a poll taken by The Wall Street Journal, NBC News, and Maris, Donald Trump is actually catching up with Hillary Clinton and is tied and beating her in some battleground states. So in Ohio, Clinton is at 39% and Trump is also at 39%. Ohio is a must-win state for Republicans, so the fact that he tied with her, you know, it's very telling. Now, in Iowa, Clinton is at 42% to Trump's 39%. In Pennsylvania, Clinton is up by nine points in one poll, but in another poll, Trump's actually up by two points, according to Quinnipiac. Now, in Florida, Trump is also up by three points, according to Quinnipiac, which means that he had an 11-point surge in Florida. So that is huge right there. Now in Wisconsin, Hillary is up by four points according to a Marquette University poll. And nationally speaking, Clinton holds a three-point lead according to McClatchy and Maris. Now currently, when you look at Real Clear Politics averages, she has a 3.1% advantage when it comes to aggregate polling. So clearly, she had a dip in the polls. Now the question is, why is Donald Trump catching up to her again? Well, it's it's very obvious. I mean, with the FBI scandal coming to, you know, an end, even though James Comey didn't recommend an indictment of her, which would have been just completely damaging to her campaign, it still damaged her pretty bad because he basically proved that she's been lying to us. She said that she never sent or received classified information, and James Comey said, no, in fact, uh, there were 100 pieces, over 100 pieces, uh, in her emails that were classified. Hillary Clinton's campaign is actually pushing back against James Comey's claim that they were extremely careless. Just be happy that you weren't indicted. I mean, are you kidding me? Nobody believes you at this point. So that's why she's taking a dip in the polls. Now, here's where it gets bad for Donald Trump. Well, his support among African-Americans is basically non-existent in Ohio and Pennsylvania. So Hillary Clinton is out polling Donald Trump among black voters by an 88-point margin in Ohio and a 91-point margin in Pennsylvania. I mean, this is not surprising at all because Donald Trump, I mean, when you retweet white supremacists, maybe you won't get many uh, minority voters to come over to your camp. I mean, that's just me, but I could be crazy. Now, it gets bad for Hillary Clinton again. So according to a Yik Yak survey of 2,500 millennials, 48% of millennial Bernie Sanders supporters would consider supporting a third-party candidate. Again, I I've said it once, I'll say it again. I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. Many millennials are not excited about Hillary Clinton and will be supporting Jill Stein or Gary Johnson instead. Now, when you look at that, 39% of Bernie Sanders' younger supporters will be supporting her, but 13% will actually be voting for Donald Trump, who is the antithesis of Bernie Sanders, but they see him as anti-establishment, so they're opting to support him over Hillary. And, you know, this is not good news for her. We told you that Bernie Sanders supporters, especially young voters, wouldn't fall in line and you didn't listen. So this isn't too surprising, honestly. Now, finally, uh, bad news for both Clinton and Trump. According to a poll conducted by Associated Press GFK, it really highlights the sentiment of the American people, which I agree with. So we're all terrified of Clinton and Trump. 81% of Americans say they feel afraid following the elections of both Clinton or Trump. And three quarters say they're voting against the candidate they they dislike rather than the candidate they agree with. Uh, and 81% of Trump supporters and three fourths of Clinton supporters back their candidate because they feel the alternate is worse. So in other words, everyone is voting for what they think is the lesser of two evils. That's just sad. That tells you that our electoral system, our two party system has failed us. 
if you're not excited to go out and vote for someone and you're just voting for someone because you think the other person is dangerous, that's just the failure of our democracy, of our system. Now, 57% view Clinton unfavorably and only 37% view her favorably, so she has a negative favorability. Meanwhile, 63% view Trump negatively and only 31% view him favorably. And get this, Clinton's own supporters consider her only slightly or not at all honest, and only one quarter of Americans think Clinton is at least somewhat honest. This election is a joke. I mean, if you're looking at the mainstream parties and their presumptive nominees, then it's no wonder why people are turning to Jill Stein and Gary Johnson in record numbers, because we don't want to vote for the lesser of two evils. So these polls, you know, it just shows what the American people feel right now. We don't like Hillary Clinton. We don't like Donald Trump. They're both historically disliked for a reason. They're both corrupt. They're both liars. These are not people who should be leading the country, yet either one of them will be the president. How sad is that? Shameful. Loretta Lynch recently revealed that she lacks integrity when she decided to hold a private meeting with Bill Clinton just days before the FBI made their recommendation to the Justice Department. Now, she further demonstrated her lack of integrity when she testified before the House Judiciary Committee and she decided to stonewall for Hillary Clinton. This is absolutely just very telling. During the five-hour hearing before the House Judiciary Committee on Tuesday, Attorney General Loretta Lynch steadfastly refused to substantively answer any questions about the facts or law applicable to Hillary Clinton's mishandling of her emails while Secretary of State, at least 74 times by one congressman's count. Instead, she referred all such questions to FBI Director James Comey's recent statement and testimony while carefully avoiding agreement with any of his critical findings that Mrs. Clinton was, quote, extremely careless in handling the classified emails that many of her public statements regarding the classified nature and disposition of those emails were false. Towards the end of the hearing, an obviously frustrated congressman, Doug Collins of Georgia, tried to get Lynch to answer even the simplest question of law, having nothing to do with Clinton's emails when he asked her if someone is driving 65 miles per hour in a 55 mile speed zone, has that person broken the law? Lynch replied, you'd have to ask the highway patrolman to audible gasps and laughter in the audience at her continued refusal to be forthcoming. So Loretta Lynch is doing everything she can to publicly declare to the world that she is willing to cover Hillary Clinton's ass so that way she won't get in trouble. Uh, and she's ruining her own career because of it. Who does that? I mean, many people are self-interested and they'll cover up for their friends only up to a certain extent, right? But James Comey, Loretta Lynch, these people are going to great lengths to get Hillary Clinton to look good and make themselves look bad and horrible. It, it just... It's so puzzling to me. I don't know. Something is going on behind the scenes, and I'm not trying to be conspiratorial, but who does that? I mean, if you had, you know, your own career and you planned to, uh, you know, be in the public for a while, wouldn't you try to save face and try to answer questions about Hillary Clinton in a truthful manner? Why would you stonewall? I, this is really weird to me. I, I don't know what to say, honestly. I have no idea what to say. Uh, this is just strange. Why Stonewall for Hillary Clinton? She couldn't even answer a question about speed limits. It's embarrassing. It's so weird. You know, I, I don't get it. Some Loretta Lynch is someone who I thought had integrity. Loretta Lynch is someone who I wanted Obama to employ to the Supreme Court. And now I'm seeing that something's really off with her. Something is weird. Whatever integrity I thought she had, I was horribly mistaken. And I stand corrected because... This is someone who is not being transparent. Now, I've said this before. I'll say it again because it needs to be said. This is further proof that we live in a two-tier justice system. Let me ask you this. If you're skeptical that, you know, Loretta Lynch and James Comey are trying to cover up for Hillary Clinton, do you think that Loretta Lynch, the attorney general of the U.S., would behave this way and discredit herself for you? No. She wouldn't do that for a peasant. So she's doing this for Hillary Clinton for a very specific reason that we don't know about that maybe we'll never know about. I don't know if there is a quid pro quo. There's no evidence of that. I don't know if she was promised uh, something for Hillary Clinton uh, within her administration, whether it be just to stay on as attorney general. I have no idea what that is, but something is going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. Now, I'm not going to speculate anymore because I honestly have no idea, 
But this is just really telling and quite maddening, actually, that, you know, people in Washington will go to great lengths just to cover up for someone who is corrupt and is potentially a criminal. Donald Trump gave his testimony for the Trump University lawsuit back in December and January, and in an effort to compete with Hillary Clinton for the title of least transparent presidential candidate ever, he is now trying desperately to block the release of his testimony. Now, it's very obvious that he's doing this because the Trump University was just a scam. He defrauded people, and now they are rightfully suing him. So there were false claims that he would show up and give them insider business tips, which he has none, just be born into wealth. That's the first and final step. Second of all, it wasn't accredited, and students were pressured to spend up to 35000 in, quote, mentorships, and classes were reportedly run like infomercials, and one Trump University instructor said that his job was to sell, not to teach. So any and everyone that paid money was obviously defrauded. So he did give his testimony, as I said, uh, for this civil lawsuit, and his attorneys are doing everything they can to block it now. So according to ABC News, Trump's attorneys worry the images will be used to tarnish his campaign. U.S. District Judge Gonzalo Curiel said Wednesday during a hearing in San Diego that he will focus on whether there is good cause to protect the material over the public's right to evaluate the videotaped deposition by Trump regarding the fraud allegations against now-defunct Trump University. Curiel pressed Trump's attorney during the hour-long hearing to specify what harm the videos might cause. Wednesday was the first time Curiel faced Trump's attorneys since the judge permitted the release of unrelated documents in a class action lawsuit alleging fraud, a move that led Trump to intensify his unusual attacks on the judge that included mention of his Mexican heritage. Curiel asked Trump's lawyer, Daniel Petroselli, to explain how the potential harm overrides the public's right to evaluate a presidential candidate and potential future leader of the free world. Petroselli answered, the court's duty is not to facilitate public elections. The court's duty is to facilitate a fair trial. So there's an obvious contradiction there. So Trump's attorney is saying, look, as a judge, your job is to be a fair arbiter of the law, not to facilitate elections. But in the same breath, he's saying, but please don't release them because it'll actually hurt Donald Trump's electoral chances. Here's an idea. Maybe if you're being sued or if you're being investigated by the FBI or maybe if you don't want to release your tax returns, don't run for president. It's really, really simple. And, you know, this competition between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump to be the least transparent candidate ever, it's really getting old. I mean, we can poke fun at it, but they're really just making a joke of our democracy. Now, ABC News continues. They state news organizations argue that the public has a right to the complete record, given how Trump has touted his business acumen. Dan Laidman, the lawyer representing the news organizations, said the clips would enhance the accuracy of reporting on the case. Lawyers representing Trump University University's former customers say the videos present a more complete picture than the transcripts. So Judge Curiel didn't say when he would make his decision, but look, here's the thing, any court deposition where there's a public interest in it, you have to release it if you're gonna run for president. I mean, we got to see the deposition of Justin Bieber, and I couldn't care less about that, and he's also not running for president, but the point is that if we can see his pointless deposition, then I better damn well be able to see Donald Trump's if he may lead the country because to run for president and not expect there to be a public interest in this case where you allegedly defrauded many, many people, yeah, I'm sorry. It's just not, it's not acceptable. You got to release it. And here's the thing. It's embarrassing that he didn't expect public scrutiny when running for president. If you don't like that, then drop out. But this says a lot about his character because Trump isn't a good businessman so much as he's just a con man. He sold Trump University students the false hope that they would learn about the real estate business and failed to deliver on that promise. It's a scam and he is rightfully being sued for it. But again, getting back to this issue of transparency, this is just beyond frustrating because you have an option between two mainstream candidates that are refusing to be transparent. Hillary Clinton refuses to release the transcripts of paid speeches she's given to Goldman Sachs. Donald Trump is refusing to release his testimony. He is refusing to release his tax returns, probably because it would prove that either he didn't pay any taxes or that he just isn't making as much as he claims he's making. So the fact that these two people, I mean, 
uh, Tweedledee and Tweedledumber. I don't know what else to call them. That's not super rude, but <laughs> I'm trying to be polite here. But the fact that they have the audacity to run for president and lead the country when they refuse to be transparent, it's just mind-numbingly stupid and aggravating. Uh, and it's just not acceptable. So here's the question that I have to all of Donald Trump supporters. If you think he's innocent, then why is he trying to hide his testimony? If he really is innocent, wouldn't it be better to just release the testimony so we don't have to sit here and speculate? Well, of course he'd release it if the evidence wouldn't be damning. You only withhold information if you're afraid that it's going to hurt you. And obviously, by releasing his deposition, it probably would hurt him. People need to see this because this con man is expecting to be president of the United States. So his whole campaign is a big con. So if you're going to run for president, you got to be transparent. And look, that goes for Hillary Clinton as well. I hold them both to the same standard. If you want to run for president, release what the public has a public interest in knowing. And that is transcripts, uh, details about your FBI investigation, details about your uh, testimony. If you're being sued, your tax returns, release it all. Otherwise, don't run. Drop out. Well, it's official, Donald Trump has made his pick for VP, and that individual is Mike Pence, governor of Indiana, and I think that this is probably one of the worst picks he could have made. So his options and people who he was vetting and floating were uh, Newt Gingrich, Chris Christie, uh, just really bad choices overall, uh, and then he ended up choosing Mike Pence, the worst of all those bad choices. Now, the reason allegedly why he chose Mike Pence is because he, he can appeal to social conservatives with Mike Pence, and also because he's kind of seen as more moderate and he could potentially work with Congress. But if you're Donald Trump, you don't pick an establishment candidate. You pick Rand Paul. That's it. I mean, if I were Donald Trump, there'd be no other option. It'd be Rand Paul through and through. But he picked Mike Pence. Now, I think this is a terrible decision both politically and strategically, so not only do I disagree with Mike Pence on virtually every single issue, but he contradicts Donald Trump on key issues that he could be attacking Hillary Clinton on. So, for example, Mike Pence was in favor of the Iraq War. Mike Pence is in favor of these disastrous free trade deals such as CAFTA, uh, and the worst part is that Mike Pence is pro-establishment. He's literally part of the establishment. He was a congressman, and now he is a governor. So all these things that you could have criticized Hillary Clinton for, you could have said, well, you supported the Iraq war. That was wrong. You support the TPP and all these disastrous trade deals that ship our jobs overseas. Now she can say, well, so does your VP, and you can't say anything. So I think strategically, this is just a dumb move. Now, for those of you who don't remember, Mike Pence is the governor that literally signed a bill into law that legalizes discrimination against LGBT people. So this bill that he signed into law states that businesses can just kick people out if they're gay. That's who Trump chose as his VP. Now, to embarrass himself even more, once businesses started to threaten to leave the state of Indiana and once he got media scrutiny and backlash from everyone, well, then he started to walk it back and <laughs> made a big fool of himself and started to call for the uh, repeal of certain parts of the bill and to kind of make the language in the bill a little bit more kind to gay people. Oh, is he not merciful? Now, Mike Pence was also against the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, so he didn't believe that LGBT people deserve to serve openly in the military, and he's also in support of allowing businesses to be able to fire people that are gay. So, he is just an asshole through and through to gay people. So I don't get why Trump would make this pick if he expects to still appeal to younger uh, conservatives who are not socially conservative, they're fiscally conservative, but socially liberal, uh, and who are anti-establishment. It just seems like a terrible uh, pick. Now, Mike Pence isn't just an anti-gay asshole. He's bad on so many issues. So to give you some examples, he is staunchly anti-abortion and is even against stem cell research. So in that regard, he'll actually get along with Trump since Trump wants to literally punish women who get abortion. Uh, he voted against protecting LGBT people from job discrimination. He supports a constitutional amendment to ban gay marriage. He voted in favor of the Patriot Act. He supports a constitutional amendment that bans desecration of the flag, which is idiotic because that's protected under the First Amendment, and it's just a piece of material. Stop being a drama queen. I mean, Mike Pence himself shits on the American flag more than anyone who literally desecrates it, so I think that that's just a stupid position to have. Now, also, he's in total support of the drug 
drug war and wants to expand the fight in Mexico. Uh, he supports prayer in schools. He voted against funding for education numerous times and denied millions in grants specifically to black and Latino colleges. He is against parental leave for federal employees. He is rated 100% by the Christian Coalition for his, quote, pro-family voting record, meaning he just hates gay people, and they applaud him for that. Now, he supports disastrous free trade deals like CAFTA, as I stated, uh, and he literally voted against helping workers that lost their jobs due to globalization. He's in favor of a wall on the southern border. Uh, he is in favor of ending birthright citizenship and wants to report undocumented immigrants that go to the hospital. Let me just stop there and reiterate how extreme this position is. So if you're an undocumented immigrant, he's saying, well, if you need hospital help and medical attention, well, do you want to get deported? Well, if not, then die. That's what he's saying. He's against net neutrality. So he wants corporations to be able to create fast lanes and uh, control and censor the internet. He voted to authorize military force in Iraq, and he believed that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction, which was a total lie. He also pushed for draconian marijuana penalties as governor in 2013. He supports mandatory minimums, and like Trump, he is against a free and open media because he literally tried to create a state controlled media outlet for purposes of propaganda in Indiana. Now, besides him being on the wrong side of history on virtually every political issue, he's also stupid. So he said that smoking doesn't kill and concerns about it were the product of, quote, hysteria from the political class and the media. And he alluded to the fact that he may be against evolution because while he wouldn't confirm that he believed in it, he said that he actually embraces the view that God created the heavens and the earth uh, and the seas and all that's in them. How innovative. So you're denying science classy. Now, he also called global warming a myth and said that the world is cooler now than it was 50 years ago. Not true at all. The world is much hotter. In fact, we are seeing record years. 2014 was the hottest year on record, only to be outdone by 2015, and it looks like it's going to be outdone by 2016. So, politically, Mike Pence is terrible, worst case scenario, and strategically, this is just dumb. So, any argument that Trump could use against Hillary Clinton, that she's the establishment, that she's pro-TPP, pro-disastrous trade deals, pro-Iraq war, you can't use it now because Hillary Clinton is going to say, well, your VP is in support of these deals. So, the question is, why the hell would Trump pick Mike Pence and not someone like Rand Paul who would actually get him the support of younger, uh, socially liberal, fiscally conservative individuals in the country? Well... To answer that question, you gotta follow the money. So, according to The Hill, Pence is a proven fundraiser with deep ties to the billionaire GOP donors Charles and David Koch, and he hails from a Rust Belt battleground state in a region that might represent Trump's likeliest path to the White House. So I get the swing state, but I mean, are you surprised about uh, Mike Pence's relationship with the Koch brothers? See, Donald Trump, from the very beginning, was trying to suck up to billionaires. He actually courted billionaire donors such as Sheldon Adelson, uh, Paul Singer, the Koch brothers, but they rejected him. And we now know that Sheldon Adelson did come around and is pledging to support Donald Trump by donating $100 million to his campaign. But at first, they didn't want to support Donald Trump, and he railed against them for that. He was claiming anyone who took money from these billionaire donors like Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, Jeb Bush, they're all puppets. So now uh, he's holding meetings with the Koch brothers and they're still reluctant to support him. Now, you want the support of the Koch brothers if you're Donald Trump because before the election started, they initially pledged to give nearly $1 billion. I think it was something to the tune of $900 million, uh, to help the Republican get elected. And they don't want Donald Trump. So by picking Mike Pence, well, maybe you can get closer to the money bank and uh, Daddy Warbucks over there. So after being shot down by the Kochs and other billionaires time and again, Mike Pence might actually be Donald Trump's ticket to their wallet. So that's why he picked him. But I think that this is going to be detrimental to his campaign and really hurt him in the long run. So any Bernie Sanders supporter who would have voted for you because you're anti-establishment, you're going to lose them now. And furthermore, any younger Republican, now they're going to jump further to uh, Gary Johnson. You just push them away. So this was a terrible decision. You picked someone who is politically and strategically just the worst case scenario for you. So congratulations, Donald Trump. You are further proving that you do not know what the hell you're doing.
So I've always kind of felt like party platforms aren't necessarily that helpful or telling about the political parties when you're in a political climate where the politicians don't really even have that much party discipline. Uh, and furthermore, you know, politicians, they always say one thing and then do another. So they don't really tell us that much about the party. However, they are helpful in giving us some insight into what types of voters the parties are trying to appeal to. So when you look at the Democratic platform, thanks to Bernie Sanders, there are many progressive elements. So they're endorsing a $15 minimum wage. They're supporting a road to marijuana legalization. But when you contrast that with the GOP's 2016 party platform, I mean, it's I don't even know what to say about it. They're basically putting up the crazy person bat signal and saying, come on in to the GOP. The doors are open to you. And it's just embarrassingly stupid. So time explains the GOP party platform designates pornography a public health crisis because masturbation is a transcendent threat to American wellness that obviously must be addressed. Well, obviously. Uh, it supports so-called sexual conversion therapy for minors, even as every mainstream mental health and medical organization discredited the repugnant practice decades earlier. It marks children reared in a traditional two-parent household as inherently superior to those reared outside the leave-it-to-beaver dynamic, even as reputable science demonstrates otherwise. Hopefully that's enlightening to you guys, because did you not know that Masturbation and pornography is a public health crisis. Guns are okay. You know, that's not hurting anybody. But pornography, we got to get rid of that. <laughs> okay, so it also declares pornography as a public menace that's especially harmful to children. Well, it's not intended for children, dumbass. That's the whole point, 18 and over. So what you can take away from this is that the party is pretty puritanical, right? They're very pure. They're very, uh, they got their nose in the air. They're against porn. They think it's a public health crisis. Well, keep that in mind as I read to you this next headline. Quote, strip clubs get ready for Republican convention. Look, you can't make this shit up. The joke writes itself. There's also a comedy piece by The Onion where gay prostitutes were gearing up for the Republican convention because, you know, that's when they get a surge in business. Now, there's also an anti-gay parenting element, which is just factually and scientifically inaccurate because even though they tout opposite sex households as uh, inherently superior is what they said, well... The studies show that there is no difference between parenting, and if anything, children of lesbians actually see higher levels of scholastic success, and uh, they have higher levels of self-esteem and self-confidence. So if anything, if you really care about the children like you say you do, well then you would hail lesbians as the best parenting option, but they don't care about that. They have an agenda. It's anti-gay. They hate gay people. Now, the author of the Time piece that I just read to you is actually a gay Republican, and this next line demonstrates just how pathetic the GOP is. He says, quote, the committee separately rejected a positively mild resolution designed only to encourage dialogue on the virtue of same-sex marriage, even a year after the United States Supreme Court affirmed the fundamental right of every American to wed the person of their choosing. And yet, there remains cause for hope that a resolution to acknowledge the diversity of sincerely held opinions on marriage was even offered is cause for hope that it garnered support of one-fourth of the panel, when only three years earlier the same group unanimously passed expressly anti-gay provisions, is cause for hope that it would be offered by the first openly gay member of the platform committee is cause for hope. Couched in a historical perspective, these are genuine indications of progress. The fact that only three-fourths, the overwhelming majority, of the uh, committee shot down, you know, a resolution that just encourages dialogue on marriage equality. You know, it just gives me so much hope, guys. Maybe by 2090, they'll actually come around to the idea of full marriage equality. Who knows? So, I mean, this is a good sign as a gay Republican. You should rejoice. <laughs> this is so pathetic, and I feel like a dick for making fun of him, but I mean, come on, dude. I don't understand why there's gay Republicans. You have Gary Johnson. He is a fiscally conservative, socially liberal person who will agree with you on economic issues, but... Uh, agrees with you also on social issues. So I feel like it's a win-win to go with Gary Johnson. Why support a party that hates you? It doesn't make sense. I've never understood the log cabin Republican or quote, go proud. It just doesn't make any sense. They don't like you. And the one gay committee person was quoted as saying, why am I even here? 
They shot down everything. Now, here's my favorite part about this whole thing. So according to the New York Times, an amendment to specifically recognize that gay people are targets of the Islamic State caused a stir among more conservative delegates who said they felt there was no need to single out any one group. As the delegate who offered the amendment, Giovanni Sissione of Rhode Island, argued his case by saying he believed it was an innocuous and important way to tell gay people the Republican Party does not exclude them, another delegate moved to shut off the debate. Okay, it's confirmed that this party is only trying to appeal to people 100 years of age and up. I mean, the fact that you can't even admit that gay people are targets of ISIS in Iraq and Syria when... That's factually undeniable, but you don't even want to have a debate about it. And you also are just declaring that they're targets of ISIS to say, hey, gay people, see, we care about you. We acknowledge that, you know, extremist terrorist organizations want to kill you. You know, that, that's your one way of reaching out to us. And even then, you don't want to have a debate about it. Now, finally, they're also calling for a constitutional amendment to ban marriage equality. They've, they've done nothing to change. And in the 2012 autopsy report, they acknowledged that they lost because they're not appealing to socially liberal uh, conservatives. Uh, and if you look at it, the writing has been on the wall for decades. Over 60% of millennial Republicans support the idea of marriage equality. So who are you trying to appeal to? And also, Tony Perkins, the huge bigot from the hate group, the Family Research Council, he actually had a huge say on uh, the GOP platform. So congratulations, great job. You're surely gonna lure in a ton of young conservatives. Now, the platform also demands that lawmakers use religion as a guide when legislating and that man-made law must be consistent with God-given natural rights. So not only are they endorsing fairy tales, they are endorsing the idea of a theocracy, thus violating the First Amendment because, again, government shall make no law establishing a, a religion so when you say this you're explicitly establishing a religion you're saying if you're a gop member if you're part of our party well you can't legislate unless jesus approves of it so are you going to ban shellfish are you going to ban uh, clothing of mixed linens i'd be in violation of that right now i mean this is just so stupid now, it also encourages the teaching of the Bible in public schools. Uh, it seeks to limit types of bathrooms transgender people could use because, you know, of all the issues in the world, we're worried about where you go to the bathroom, where you take a dump. Now, they also call for a wall on the southern border, even though net immigration from Mexico is literally less than zero and many people actually don't even cross the border they come over and they overstay their visas that's how many people are actually undocumented immigrants and how they decided to stay so i guess that's a great way to spend the money instead of you know feeding people feeding the poor yeah let's spend it on a wall so fiscally irresponsible so irrational now here's the thing i get criticized by many liberals uh, and rightfully so i think it's a legitimate criticism because i only criticize the democratic party they say mike I mean, look at the GLP. They're so crazy. Why don't you actually call them out? That's the point, though. Uh, for me, the way that I see it, uh, we only have one viable political party in the country. That's the Democrats. So I don't write them off entirely. They have a lot of work to do. Uh, they're a terrible party, but there are some rays of light that I can see. There's potential. But when it comes to the Republican Party, they're not even viable. They're so far off the spectrum. They're so irrational, so extremist. I, there's no chance that I would ever vote for anyone in the party. I mean, even the best Republican is far worse than uh, the worst Democrat. There's just, there's no hope for the Republican Party. So that's why I criticize the Democrats and just completely ignore the Republican Party. And, you know, if you disagree with that, that's fine. But it's because when I criticize Democrats, I'm trying to be constructive and hope that they can change their policies to appeal to liberal voters since we only have one viable political party. But the reason why I completely ignore Republicans most of the time is because they're just insane. And this proves it right here. Well, that is all I got for you guys today. Hopefully you enjoyed the topics. Uh, hopefully what I said will resonate with you. If not, then, you know, I'm always open to constructive criticism. I think that is very helpful. And many of your comments have really helped me to grow as a YouTube host, I think. So uh, I want to thank everyone who tunes in every single week, everyone who subscribes, everyone who is a member, a Patreon patron. Uh, you guys are really great. Uh, and honestly, reading your comments makes my day sometimes. So thank you all. Uh, and if you're a new subscriber, welcome to the channel. Uh, and I'm glad to have you. So I will see you guys next week. Take care. Have a great day.